Well, hello, folks. This is Dr. Sandy Gluckman from Parenting That Heals. And I am so excited because today I have a wonderful lady with me. And her name is Heather Korbmacher. K-O-R-B-M-A-C-H-E-R. Heather is uh, an exceptional human being. She's an author, an educator, a speaker, coach, and advocate. She earned a master's degree in exceptional children. She's a national board certified teacher and founder of Courageous Educational Services, LLC. With over 20 years of experience working with children with challenging behaviors, Heather utilizes her practical skills and training and expertise to raise awareness about a very important topic, and that is PANDAS, PANS, and AE, and to empower parents and professionals alike to support the children that they care for. Heather's advocacy for families dealing with this illness includes being a member of the PANDAS Network Board of Directors, and she resides in Bellingham, Washington with her loving husband and two tenacious children. So welcome, Heather. Thank you. It is such an honor to have this opportunity with you. It is my greatest pleasure. Um, so Heather, we've got so much to talk about and we're just going to start the ball rolling and see where it takes us because this is truly a um, hugely important topic and it seems to be getting more and more attention and I know that I'm getting more and more calls mm. from from moms and dads who are concerned about what they think may be pandas and there seems to be a lot of confusion out there for for very overwhelmed parents so uh, and I know that you have so much to offer to create clarity for us all so could we begin by perhaps you telling us a little about your story there are some people who probably know it um, from your book and from other things you're doing and but I think there may be many people listening who do not know your story and how you came to write your wonderful book what happened to my child I'm happy to share thank you for asking so um, gosh six years ago little uh, six and a half years ago um, I was working as a behavior specialist in our school district uh, and my son at that time contracted something um, we're quite certain it was strep but it didn't present as a typical strep infection and it was in December and he had a high fever and he presented with what at the time we called fever-induced hallucinations and um, the next day after having a challenging evening he woke up totally fine and normal fever gone uh, two weeks later same thing and then um, from that time over the course of about a month and a half six weeks time we started to see uh, some different behaviors than what we had normally seen with him he was a neurotypical child um, very academically motivated uh, social and we were starting to see the presentation of behaviors that i was trying to manage as a behavior specialist um, through you know more of an applied behavior cognitive behavioral approach and um and it was going okay not great and it was definitely raising red flags for me as i was thinking gosh is this is this early onset of puberty um and we're just seeing you know some some challenges here 
Um, and, and then those, those behaviors, particularly um, uh, ab ab aggressive and sort of oppositional type behaviors, um, we're increasing in frequency and also severity, and then we start. And then suddenly, we started seeing all the other symptoms: um, not being able to eat foods that he used to eat, the extreme phobias around things, um, inability to leave the house, um, inability to go to school, change in handwriting, lack of math skill, or, or a decrease in his math skills. And at that point, I knew something was definitely um, significantly wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And he knew it also because he would he would say to me, "Mom, I feel like I'm going crazy. Please, you have to make this stop." Now and that that's, that, that's got to be so terrifying. Oh, I can only a parent. I mean, it's for both of us, for yeah. sure. You know, and he would he would say to me, "Mom, you're the expert. You you need to be able to fix this." And of course, I'm thinking, I've never seen anything like this. Like I've seen all of these individual symptoms, but not all together, not so suddenly and not so significantly and in such a debilitating way. Um, and so, and that really began the journey of trying to figure it out. And like, probably like most parents, you know, we started with the, a psychiatrist and, and pursuing because it presents as psychiatric. And, um, and what I was told just, it, it didn't fit. It didn't make sense to me. Um, and then the reason why I, I chose to write the book was once we did get answers and once we did start the healing process, it was clear to me that um, because we were lucky and I got, I, I became connected with other families that had been years without a diagnosis and proper treatment and years of bouncing from provider to provider. And, you know, we were onset in December and by May we had a diagnosis. We didn't have a really good treatment plan yet, but at least we had a diagnosis. We knew where we were going. And I felt that it was because I was um, trained in behavior and had the credentials and the knowledge and therefore the confidence to push back when providers were saying, this is what it is, this is what we need to do. And I was like, no, this that's not right. That isn't what it is. And I think you're also um, very intuitive. I'm a great uh, believer in a mother's intuition. Yes. And yeah, we need I, to listen to our parents. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell my clients, listen, uh, you tell me what your gut is telling you and I will believe it. I love that about you. Yeah, it, that, that was... Um, that was a lesson for me as a professional as well. And of course my, you know, my mind would go back and think about uh, clients that I had supported over the years when parents would say one thing and, you know, we're, we'd get all the professionals around the table saying, no, you know, you, you need to be um, pursuing it this way. And um, yeah, I, I hope that I was, I hope I always treated everyone professionally, but I definitely wanted to go back and apologize. So, um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, the other thing that really stood out to me was how um, our marginalized families were not getting the treatment. There was a doctor um, who had profiled his clients um, on the East Coast. He sees about 300 kids a year, and they were statistically significantly um, white boys with educated white mothers hmm. and disease doesn't operate that way and hmm. so that was another piece for me that i was like this is um this is not a educated middle class illness 
and so what, what that means then is because it presents psychiatrically, we are funneling these children into a mental health system that's broken Absolutely. in our country mm -hmm. and committing them to a lifetime mental illness that we could otherwise be eradicating and treating, and then they could live a healthy, wonderful life. So um, continuing to look at that piece as well. Yes, yes. And, and that's so utterly important to this very day yes. is the way in which we are handling all kinds of issues that get labeled as mental health issues and not necessarily are at all. Right. So, um, so Heather, I think, you know, even in the calls that I get from parents who have been to see professionals, but they still remain um, a little confused about the difference between pandas and pans. Um, for our listeners, could you clarify that for them? Yeah, thank you. I'd be happy to. So um, PANDAS was the original diagnostic term that Dr. Susan Sweeto with the NIMH uh, sort of came up with with a, a few other professionals. And it's pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcus. And so it's this presentation of the psychiatric symptoms, um, sudden onset, related to a strep infection. And technically it is what our son had um, when we did do a lot of, of uh, lab work and an MRI, um, we found his strep titers were four times normal. He didn't have a strep infection any longer, but his body was still responding as if he had a strep infection. Mm. And so that made it clear to us that, it, that that December presentation most likely was strep. It just, he didn't have the sore throat. So we didn't culture it. So we didn't ever identify it at that time. Um, as, as providers continued to um, do, do research or scientists, what they identified was that you could also have any other pathogen-induced presentation of these symptoms. And that's where they took the strep specific out of it. So PANS is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome. And it could be anything from uh, environmental toxins to flu, yeah. to um, Epstein-Barr, to herpes. It could be any of these pathogens that induce this. Um, since those earlier uh, diagnostic terms, there's been even more research being done because thank thankfully people are still interested. And uh, autoimmune encephalitis is a broader term under which pandas and pans would fall. And specifically, um, the acronym or the, the term that's now really being, um, I don't want to say thrown around, but, but the one that the research is really leaning and pointing to is basal ganglia encephalitis. Huh. And so it is the, that's a specific part of the brain that becomes inflamed um, when this, these pathogens create this response, this overactive uh, immune response in the body. And so um, Dr. Detanagaliu out of Columbia University, he just uh, published his research um, in a, uh, some work that he did in a mouse model that actually looks at how strep specifically, but other pathogens can as well, but strep um, opens up the blood-brain barrier and allows the, um, the, the uh, overactive immune responders, TH17 cells, to get in and create this inflammation in the basal ganglia. So pandas, is sort of under the umbrella of PANS, which is under the umbrella of autoimmune encephalitis, and basal ganglia encephalitis is specifically what we're seeing in these children, mm. in our children. 
Okay, that's excellent. I'm sure that's going to clarify a lot of things for a lot of people. So um, Heather, when you and I met, I was just blown away. I was in awe of the enormous dedication and unending quest that you had undertaken to find answers. And also all the therapeutic interventions of all kinds that you had implemented before you met me. And so do you want to tell us a little bit about that part of your journey? Um, were there some interventions that stand out for you as being really um, major uh, milestones in, in the healing process? Um, were there some that made no difference? Sure, yeah. Um, like probably any parent, um, when our child is not well, you know, there's no stone we will leave unturned in our quest to help them heal. Um, and so that certainly was true for us. Um, when we first identified pandas at the time and believed that that was what Hans had, our wonderful, amazing pediatric provider had an open mind and an open heart. Um, not all families are so lucky as we were. And she was willing to run diagnostic labs and do an MRI and, and ultimately diagnose him with pandas. But then she was very honest and said, I, I have no idea how to treat this. Um, and so it fell on us again, as, as it does on many parents, to do our research. Um, pandasnetwork.org is a great website. Pandas um, Physician Network is another great website that has information on common um, Western medicine treatment protocols. And when, when we first sort of figured out that this was what we were dealing with, and I was doing my original research, it looked like antibiotics was the answer. And I was just like, oh my goodness, that, that's just crazy and incredible, and let's get them on antibiotics. And we did. Um, and they were not the answer for hunts. They are for some kids. It's a small percentage, and, and boy, if that's all you need, that is a blessing. Um, some kids will respond really well to antibiotics and they will do um, prophylactic antibiotics, so long-term antibiotics, uh, and, and when they come off, then the kids will have this overactive response again. Um, and if, if that's okay, that's, if that's what you need, that's great, as long as you want to just make sure you're also doing a lot of gut support, because antibiotics can be really harmful to the gut. For sure. So um, that was not the case for us. Um, so then we tried to do uh, steroids um, and other over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. Um, that would take the edge off for Hans, but it wasn't healing. So it was sort of removing the symptoms or dampening the symptoms, but it, it wasn't the answer. Um, it was a good indicator that we were on the right track. We understood what we were doing. And there, it's sort of a three-prong approach, eradicate infection, reduce inflammation, and reboot the immune, immune system. We did finally find a provider who I, it, she um, was the answer to our prayers in Seattle, um, Dr. Hoffa Badao with Vital Kids Medicine. And she was, she looked at Hans's entire body um, to create some balance. And so uh, we, tr we tried a variety of different antibiotics to see which ones were going to work best. We used a lot of natural anti-inflammatories, herbal anti-inflammatories, um, CBD oil. We used essential oils to help with eradicating infection and reducing inflammation. And we also did steroid bursts, um, prednisone steroid bursts when things were really uh, active and flaring. Um, we never got the healing, the deep healing that we, we were needing, even with all of these interventions, I would say 75% um, return to baseline. 
And um, it, ultimately what, what helped the body was the rebooting of the immune system when we did intravenous immunoglobulin, IVIG. And that's a high dose infusion of healthy antibodies over a two day period. Um, and then that can take up to six months to really do its job of getting in and sort of the way I think of it is you get all these healthy soldiers that go into the body and they kick out the soldiers that are confused. Um, and, and it can take up to six months for all of that work to get done. We did see a change within a couple of weeks, but it wasn't a, an immediate like, oh my gosh, we knew he was back and that he was healing, but it, it, it took the full six weeks or six months. And then from there, what I really learned was that there is no quick fix for this illness. And, you know, we don't really know why yet um, one body will respond the way that it does to an infection and another body won't. I personally believe it's toxic overload and we live in a toxic environment, you know, with food and everything in the, in the, just around us. Um, but uh, what we found was that we needed to continue to completely overhaul our life eating healthy food, cleaning out toxins in our home. I remember going through my kitchen and getting rid of things that I didn't even know were problematic, like plastics and aluminum and things that we're used to using. Um, so it was really eliminating all toxins in our home and then um, continuing to support his body specific to himself. We did some genetic testing uh, to help him be balanced. And then we still were at the place where it was like something was missing and that's when I met you. And um, I will tell you the gift that you gave us was one, uh, identifying how important it is to eliminate stress, that the body cannot heal completely with stress. And so um, it really, it gave us permission to make parenting decisions that society maybe would make us uncomfortable having and making to allow him to not feel stressed about things like school and other expectations in the way that we thought we had to do it so that he could, his body could truly heal and so that he could be his best self, whatever that best self might look like. Um, so I guess, yeah. And, and now here we are with a healthy child. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Oh, wow. But what an amazing journey of ups and downs and peaks and lows. And, yes. <laughs> and um, yes, I do want to just spend a few minutes on the issue of stress here. Yes. Because I think it doesn't get enough attention. I agree. And it, the, the amount of stress for the family and everybody of going through a situation where a child has these conditions is, is just huge. Yeah. Um, and what happens is in the situation is that in addition to the actual physiological stress, the, the stress hormones, which comes together, by the way, with more inflammation, because right. you know when we have the toxic stress levels of hormones, it, it affects the body's ability to handle inflammation. So the inflammation just goes rampant. Um, but what also happens is that the child begins to believe they're not enough. They're not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm not okay. I'm not like others. And it has a really horrible effect on their self-esteem and their sense of self-worth. So those things all hang together. And I don't think they often get enough attention. 
Well, I don't know if you remember, but one of our first sessions, um, you had talked with me about getting rid of the label mm. and not using that label in the home. And I really was pushing back. I'm like, I fought hard for that label. Like, I can't just get rid of that. But I understood and you helped me understand like, no, that's important for, you know, treatment and insurance and all of those things, but it's not how we define him. And we, we did, we got rid of it. And it was, we, I, I never, I, I no longer refer to my child as my child who has pandas. Instead, it was my healthy son, my healthy child. Yes. Um, and that was a great shift for all of us. I mean, it, no matter what it is, you know, I've got another son who is diagnosed with dyslexia, but instead it's like, he's a three-dimensional thinker. <laughs> there's a lot go. of energy. He lives life, you know, in a big way. Yes. Um, and, and there's so many strengths that, um, with anything that we can really focus on. Um, the other piece is I've had a lot of parents who will share with me their concerns about uh, some of the symptoms, you know, whether it's uh, toileting can become a, a symptom where their, their urinary frequency is resulting in bedwetting. And, um, you know, maybe they're, they're like, oh, we need to, you know, they're, they're working with an applied behavior anal um, specialist, uh, you know, uh, pursuing it in that way. And I'm like, that is not the biggest problem right now. <laughs> the biggest problem is healing that body and reducing that inflammation and that toileting will come back. They have that skill. It's not gone forever. It will come back yes. when the body heals. Yes, absolutely. Whatever the skill might be. Absolutely. So it's really more about identifying the real underlying root causes. Yes. And treating those as opposed to trying to fix all the manifestations and the symptoms that we see in front of us. Yes, and I think that traditional medicine, unfortunately, does that. It uh, treats the child in a compartmentalized way, yes. as opposed to getting into the real deep underlying root cause and healing the whole child. And you found someone who helped you to do that. So that was really superb. Um, so, Heather, what kind of advice would you give to parents who are either in the beginning of the journey or in the middle of the journey or a are in one of the lows after one of the highs. <laughs> You've been there so much, you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the first thing that I would tell a parent is to believe that you can have healing and to um, ask for or learn or hear from other parents like myself. There are other parents that we are on the other side of it. And, and nobody knows how dark it is better than someone that's been there. Um, and there, and there is light at the end of the tunnel and to pick yourself up and to know that, you know, to get through the day, um, be confident in challenging providers who aren't listening to you, fire providers who aren't listening to you, yes. go find one that will. Um, I've had parents say, well, that's been our pediatrician since they were a baby. And I'm like, you pay them to work for you. Wow. If they're not working for you, you go find someone who will. Um, and to, uh, as you already said, trust your intuition, trust yourself. If it doesn't feel right, it doesn't seem right. It isn't. <laughs> you, nobody, as parents, we have a PhD in our child. Nobody knows our child better than we do. Um, and then self-care. And 
I know that the reality sometimes in the deepest, darkest part of our journey, self-care is uh, taking a shower and feeding yourself. Like, <laughs> you know, it isn't always like going out and walking and do, I mean, cause you can barely pick yourself up literally off the kitchen floor. So um, whatever it is that you can do to, even if it's just to sit for five minutes and just take a breath, um, that self-care. And then the other thing I would say to parents is this illness is really hard on a relationship, really hard on a marriage. And um, in fact, I don't know if you remember, but that was when Arnold and I came to you, we were, you know, at the lowest point ever. And we had just started doing some uh, marriage therapy together and you identified and picked up on it right away that that was something we needed to do because that stress was also coming into the home yeah. and affecting the healing of our child. And so um, do what you need to for that. Uh, find somebody who is is good at being able to help the parents um, heal that marriage, heal that relationship, so that that isn't an added stressor on the family and on the child. Mm, that's such good advice. Um, and Heather, uh, are there ways in which um, parents can approach you for um, help in their journey? How do yep. you work? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty literally open book. Um, so my email address is just my name, heather.korbmacher, K-O-R-B-M-A-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And I give that out. People are welcome to email me. Um, at that time, you know, if it's a simple question that I can reply to email, I will. Oftentimes it's a phone call. And so then I'll share my phone number and we'll get on the phone and talk. Um, you know, I, I often will point people to resources. Um, I, I know that the resources that are out there can feel overwhelming. I can remember once I even had heard about this, spending hours and hours, like all parents on the internet, trying to just find as much information as I could. Um, so I'm always happy to help, you know, just to talk with parents about where they're at in their journey and how to help them find a provider. Um, getting a good provider that really listens to you and works with you and supports your child is absolutely necessary yes um and then uh yeah that's that's uh that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me and of course your book yes i mean anybody's welcome to read my book it's available on amazon um some bookstores are carrying it um it is what happened to my child a mother's courageous journey to save her son and my contact information is in the book as well right and yeah. in the book do you give lots of um, um practical tips and I do I do so I, I wrote the story um, with the intention of it being an interesting story because I think yeah. it's sort of fascinating um, but then in the appendices are filled with resources so things that like letters that I wrote to our insurance company to get things paid for um, uh, different websites that are available protocols that we used um, I, I, and everything's prefaced with, you know, it's not a diagnostic tool and it's not a prescriptive tool. It's just sharing what we did and what worked for us. Every child is unique and different and every child may require something different. And, um, you know, there are lots of parent support groups where parents willingly share things that they're doing that are working for their kids. Um, there is no one shoe fits all. And, um, and so it, it is just, it is simply our story and what worked for us, but it is a good starting point and it is intended 
um, to be a resource that parents can use to just help them have conversations and get started with their providers and ask questions and try things. Well, that's wonderful. You know, one of the things that concerns me um, <clears throat> when I get all these calls and I listen to the stories um, of these potential clients is that they, it seems to me that there's a possibility that there is a lot of overdiagnosis going on around pandas. You know, um, the, it's, if they have the slightest temper tantrum or they're showing a little obsessive compulsive behavior um, mm. and um, they had a sore throat, it's suddenly it's pandas. Uh, is this something that you've seen that it, it, it's a label that gets lately is getting used a little too lightly? Well, so I haven't seen that, um, be, but probably because I'm not a provider, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm not seeing that increase. My experience has been just the opposite, where it's like everybody's doubting and saying that you're the enabling parent. Um, what, I, what I could, I mean, I can imagine, I have had mm, maybe two parents reach out, and after talking with them, I, and I always remind parents, like, I'm not... I'm not a medical provider. I can't diagnose, but it doesn't sound like it to me. Mm. And in which case then I encourage them. There are wonderful providers that will figure out what is going on. Yes. Um, and, and as we touched on a little bit earlier, the label isn't really as important as understanding what is, what are the needs in the body? What are the needs in the environment? What are the needs for the child that we can um, meet just to help them feel happy and healthy and thrive. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I could imagine that it could become um, a label that maybe people are grabbing onto and thinking that this is it. The thing is, is with the specific encephalitis and the basal ganglia, it's multiple symptoms that present together. Right. And it is a sudden onset. Like it is a, it, you, it, it is a difference in your child. Your child yes. is different. Yes. Um, and, and that needs to be addressed. That encephalitis needs to be addressed, but we're, we're talking about inflammation in the brain and that's going to impact other areas of their life. And so um, once that the body is healed, there may be some work that needs to be done uh, to help the child come back to normal behaviors, if you right, will. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've been publishing a lot around something I call inflammatory parenting. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, parents don't do this consciously or intentionally, no. of course. No. But what happens is that when we, when the mom and dad get very stressed and then they get onto Google and they're looking up uh, pandas and it sounds so much like their child, but then maybe in fact they have had a child who is diagnosed correctly. Um, all of this actually leads to the parents becoming so stressed so that they, their, their brains become inflamed and yeah. they get into fight, flight and freeze kind of behaviors. And that affects the uh, neurochemistry uh, of the child. Absolutely. So uh, I talk about inflammatory parenting and uh, what, what's the difference between inflammatory parenting and non-inflammatory parenting. And in non-inflammatory parenting, we are engaging with them differently. We forget about the label. We deal with our own stress. We are open and honest if we don't, having a good, uh, don't have a good relationship at home. And we deal with all of those things. And therefore, we're able to 
be a parent who is not operating from high stress chemistry themselves and then becomes an inflammatory parent, parent which in actual fact is increasing the toxic overload for the child. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's where we were at when we um, met you. You know, we were, we were at that place yeah. in, um, in our marriage um, which was impacting our parenting. And when we were disagreeing on how to parent, uh, the tension that that created. So and, we, yet, and yet underneath all of that, there was so much love, but stress can just tear <laughs> things apart. <laughs> yes, it sure can. Well, yeah, it's all, I mean, we are just blessed to have had such an amazing team of which you were a part of um, on our healing journey. And honestly, as traumatic as the illness was it has been one of the greatest gifts in my life at least um, to learn so much and to meet so many amazing people and to work on our relate my relationship with my husband I mean because that probably was already there underlying you know some issues that we needed to work yeah. through that we probably would have just lived with heal them <laughs> yeah yeah Heather, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for your time. And um, I'm going to make sure that lots of people hear about you, your book and your journey, and also the fact that there is hope. There is definitely a, a light, a wonderful, wonderful light at the end of the tunnel where these children can become the very best version of themselves. Absolutely. And you're the living example of how to make that happen. So thanks again. And we'll talk again soon. Wonderful. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Heather. You take care in these challenging times. Be safe and be well. Indeed. Bye now. Bye.